We are going to rank it worst to best and forget the rest. But guys, let me tell, let me tell, give you a little sneak behind the scenes preview. Of what's going on here? Uh, this podcast has uh, done pretty darn well. We're very surprised by it, up to the point where we actually have decided to move into a bigger studio space. Uh, in order to do that, we recorded a lot of episodes out in advance, uh, and because because we just wanted to be sure, we wanted to be sure during the move everything was okay. But now, so it's been like even though it's be, the episodes have been coming regularly every Tuesday, this is the first time we've recorded anything in two months. So we are like excited at the gills over this, especially because of today. I'm excited at the gills. You were so excited at the gills. It's really, wait, it's really been two months? Uh, That's cr- no, no. We Mo- recorded. We recorded. It's been over a month. It's yeah, been, at least a month. Like, it's like a month and two weeks or something, yeah. But here's the big thing about it. It's not just that we're back. It's that we are back with an incredible artist. We are back with someone who went ahead and used R&B as a basis to define what pop was in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and less so in the later 2000s. It's the person who single-handedly <laughs> revived the nipple pastry in terms of popularity. Guys, we're talking about Janet Jackson. <laughs> the nipple the, the pastry. Nipple pastry. <laughs> nipple pastry? Pastry. It's so tasty. Um, and uh, I believe it's a nipple shield if oh, you want to oh, you want to get technical about it. All right, so anyway, yeah, Janet Jackson, uh, Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, uh, that's right, she is the sibling of a giant uh, musical family and was the only non-Michael Jackson person who was a Jackson to come out from Michael Jackson's shadow and actually have a legitimate career. Sorry, Tito. Uh, but we're going to dive into it. Sorry, because, Sorry. Yeah, whoops. <laughs> we're going to dive into so much, and there is so much to get over, and guys, in order to do that, we have to assemble our A-team on this one here, our squad, our, it's, it, our own Jackson 5, if you will. Less beatings, but uh, I will say... Oh. <laughs> uh, Joe Jackson is listening, and he is not happy already. Uh, so, the panel that we have assembled, there's, of course, me. I'm Evan Sonny. I'm, uh, you might know me as an editor of Pop Matters. Uh, you probably know me as the host of this podcast, because you listen to this podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast, that means you know the next person I'm about to introduce. He is the person who co-created this with me. He is the pre-production and post-production consultant on so much. <laughs> Guys, it is Taryn O'Reilly. Taryn! Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I am so excited to talk about this. Well, here's the thing. I'm excited to talk about this, but I'm even more excited for the fact that our the very first episode that we ever did was on Beyonce. It's, it's the one that launched us off into the stratosphere. And it's still our most popular still episode. Still our most popular episode, which is incredible and I wonderful. Mean, it's Beyonce. it's Beyonce. I'm aware of so. that, but I think a little bit has to do with the fact that we had that guest there. That, that one guest. same guest that we decided to bring back for this one. That's right. He's a local Chicago actor, the host of the forthcoming podcast, The Shoda Quota. That's right. <laughs> it is Nick Shoda. Hi. Nick. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I know. I'm well, delighted. Well, we had such a good time with the Beyonce one that we were just like, Nick, what else would you want to do if we did a podcast? And I believe you threw out Whitney, of course. Of course. Of course. Wait, do you guys ever want to do Whitney because that's that offer is still on the table. <laughs> I will talk about Whitney for days. Okay, so the thing about Whitney, <laughs> I do want to do it eventually with okay. you, but in like two years. 
And I support that wholeheartedly. <laughs> I we also have a lot of other artists that we like really want to do. For sure. Yeah. She's also more of a singles artist than an albums artist, let's be honest. Yeah. Still my favorite singer of all time. But, Wait, what about Mariah too? I have to ask Yo I, God no. Fuck no. Not we if, if, if Noah's not in the studio, Taryn just made gagging <laughs> motions. Listen, if the, we get sponsored or just like we want a Mariah episode, we'll do it for the money, but only because <laughs> we're filthy, filthy horse. That's okay. the only reason. So it's just because you you hate her. It's like, is that is that part of the criteria? For, you yeah. have to at least like. Yeah, like, like we're not going to do artists bit. that we're like. Okay. Oh, th- I mean, that's why we're not doing a fucking Linkin Park episode. Because, I mean, there you know. there can be albums that are terrible, as there have been. Yeah, I think so, throughout every, our entire. Oh, I'm pretty sure Robin is the only artist we've done where there wasn't like a terrible album. Yeah, there was like okay. we had really had to debate that, which was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, every other artist has had candidates, uh, including this one. But uh, we were, we were talking about Janet Jackson. It's so fascinating because we just are coming off of the Madonna episode as well. Uh, and there's weird parallels that we found between there because... Yeah, quite a few. Yeah, Janet Jackson, I mean, she... Her first initial stab at trying to be a recording artist was very much controlled by your parents. Uh, and therefore, it was she had the performing bug. We watched a clip just last night of uh, her on Carol Burnett with the Jackson 5, which was... All sorts of awkward, just, you know, like, do you like to rehearse with the band? In the Jackson 5 family, everybody works, Yeah, was her oh, yeah. literal line. And it was like, ooh, that's... There are, there there are, are child labor laws about that. <laughs> well, and then there's... All, that's the same era where she was playing Mae West and saying, like, come here, lover boy. There's clips of it. Like, she's saying it to, I don't know, Randy or someone. I'm like, that's... Yeah. A little creepy. But so she did some music. Uh, She also, I mean, she was a television actress, which was her big claim to fame. Uh, And she put out two albums like that. But then eventually uh, she got up with uh, former uh, bandmates in the Prince universe, uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis of the band The Time. Uh, They were producing other artists. Prince was really upset by that, so he fired them. And they're just like, well, I guess we're going to get with this Jackson girl. And uh, they wound up making an album called Control. And everything else changed since then. She's brought some of the most innovative choreography, which has ever been seen by anyone else. Who's very much a visual artist, but also broke through so many barriers too. She was a pop artist who lasted through the years because she always based everything she did in R and B, and as such, there was just kind of that that edge. She like was the she was one of the biggest pop yeah. artists, but she always had that grounded. She do basis. there would be like the production choices of the time, like you, you can hear like or even the chord structures like mirror other hits from the time. But she delivers them in that R&B style, and just like you said, it gives her that little edge, that little, like, pop velvety is, smoothness that right. some of the rest of them are missing. Because pop music is of the air. It's women-driven. There's fads, they come and go. R&B, soul, that is a tradition that you're a part of. So the fact that you're marrying the two together, there's obviously going to be a little bit of longevity to what you do, which mm-hmm. is so fascinating. And that's why we have 11 Janet Jackson albums that we are going to rank from worst to best. What are they? Glad you asked. Nick. We are talking about uh, her 1982 debut, Janet Jackson, her 1984 much more cheerier, brighter Dream Street. Much more 80s. Much more 80s. Her super 80s in a completely different way, 1986 Breakthrough Control, uh, 1989's Rhythm Nation 1814, which was uh, one of a gigantic hit and brought a lot of more political structure to what she did. Uh, There's 1993's Janet Dot. Uh, there was 1997's <laughs> much more was just Janet, Janet, <laughs> or or Janet period. Yeah, yeah. I think she would. Well, yeah. She always refers to it as just Janet, as far as I know. I don't know if 
I don't know if she's ever I, legally. Anyway. There's a dot in there. There is. There is a period at the end of uh, of the, <laughs> in the that lower case. No, okay, right. so I don't know how actually true this is because it's on Wikipedia, but it did specifically <laughs> say that it is sometimes stylized Janet comma period. What? Like pronounced like Jamma Janet comma. Jamma Jamma. Shut up. <laughs> Janet comma the word period. Like that's which, how you're which supposed makes to sense. pronounce it. Yeah. I just know that she's never, in any interview I've seen, like referred to she that album. Calls it Janet. As, she just calls it All right, Janet. fair. Totally 1997's fair. Pornographic The Velvet Rope. Uh, 2001's Bright and Cheery uh, All For You. Also sometimes pornographic. 2004's Very Pornographic To Be To Joe. Mm-hmm. 2006's, well, they titled it that, 20 You O. Uh, <laughs> 20 Y-O. Also, for the listeners, uh, the 20YO... The YO stands for years old. It was released in 2006, which was the 20th anniversary year of the release of Control. Where she anyway. took control. It was the, it was the, her artistic career. But she also said that she's 40, but when she looks back at herself, she, you know, she thinks of herself as a 20 year old during that time too. So hmm. reminds me a lot of Jay Z's Kingdom Come, where he had the line, 40 is the new 30, which everyone immediately called bullshit on because that's an outright lie. Uh, and then <laughs> also 2008's uh, Jam and Lewis Free uh, Discipline and 2015's long awaited, anticipated, Unbreakable. Uh, so guys, we have a lot to get through. The great thing about this is, unlike a lot of other artists, we don't have like soundtracks, we don't have qualifiers, we don't have like other are they albums things. Right, like, it's, and she yeah. she almost has no B sides. Right, like I mean, she the only really like you know quirk in the system aside from her fucking remix albums, which we're never gonna count, uh, mm. is Design of the Decade, her first greatest right. hits compilation, yeah. which, which has Runaway on it and yeah. uh, Twenty Four Play. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but Nick is a fucking Janet Jackson expert. We are so excited to have him. And that means we have to start where we always start. And I, there is not a clear answer in my mind on this one here. I'm really curious to see what happens, Nick. I'm going to have you do the opening salvo. Number 11 on our list of Janet Jackson albums. What is the worst Janet Jackson album? Oh, this is easy by, so easy, easy for me. Okay. So easy. The, the worst one is, is her debut. Yeah. Like, it's, it's garbage. And it's fine. It's <laughs> okay. fine. And that being said, it does have some nice moments. The, the singles from it, um... Say You Do and Young Love are like fun, poppy, but like you can tell that no one was really trying to guide her to anything. No one was trying to, no, no one was really even investing in her. Here's my here's my pushback on that there because oh. I feel like uh, the and I mentioned this to you before and I think it's interesting. The more I listen to it, the key for me on this album was the song called "Love and My Best Friend" because uh, it's annoying uh, as fuck. Uh, the yeah, melody is. Love and my best friend. And you think about Michael Jackson's Ben, which, ben, like, yes, you probably don't think about it. It is the same. And, you, and when yeah. I when that clicked in my mind, I'm like, really, her first two albums, and to a degree, twenty yo. Uh, I feel like they're they, those are the albums where, unlike Control, she's not really in control. They're almost like forcing her into a specific style. Janet Jackson was very much, I think, that album was styled after Michael Jackson, about uh, his early success, over yeah. this kind of stuff. Like that was that, his debut. Janet's debut is definitely them trying to give her like an off the wall, except that she is sixteen mm. and has Not never even been an a off great the wall, singer. Like a love, love Michael, or you know, like yeah. one of the earlier pre. Well, I think yeah. I think that say you do, and you'll never find a love like mine, and 
the magic is working are the all very much working. like attempts yeah. at like that same kind of post disco yeah. that yeah, yeah, they had saying. given yeah you know and and so I, I, like the magic is working honestly for me is kind of a fun song I like it depends on how drunk I am there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing incredible on here. <laughs> Yeah. At all. At all. There's yeah. no there are no songs There's where you're like pleasant moments. There are yeah. but see the thing is like even even someone who is as bad of a singer as Janet is on this first very first nineteen eighty two album yeah. can make like if the song is great, it's still a great song and you'll That's still true. enjoy it. And there aren't any of those on here. Yeah. So that yeah, that's this was gonna be my pick also. And see I Because it's I, just I, so and I feel like I, I and I'm totally okay with that. I'm not. I don't mind that being dropped off here. But I feel like really when we're talking about the worst Janet albums, we're talking about the ones where she's forced into positions that aren't hers. Uh-huh. Uh, because Janet Jackson is her Michael Jackson album. I feel like Dream Street is basically Giorgio Moroder trying to do a Prince album with her, uh, which I think is very interesting. And Twenty Yo, I feel like is very much uh, Yo, wow. uh, <laughs> because J- because she was in a relationship with uh, Jermaine Dupri at the time, who had a lot of success revitalizing mm-hmm. Mariah Carey's career with uh, the emancipation of Mimi and kind of this like street soul pop kind of thing that he was going for kind of does the same thing on her realm too so mm-hmm. she has her Michael she has her Prince and she has her Mariah Carey albums and the one aka the ones that sound least like Janet and I think are the least successful see <clears throat> okay so with 20 oh, I, I go back and forth on 20 YO so much mm-hmm. and I didn't expect to because well, you initially listened to it when it first came out. And yeah, hated it. yeah, I thought it was garbage. Right, I absolutely like, and I was like, "What the?" F-? Twenty Yo pissed me off because I was like, "Wait a second, you are putting out this album in celebration of twenty years of success and also commemorating the release of one of your most iconic albums, mm-hmm. and this is what you're giving us." <laughs> right, it feels like a, a half baked. It like the album doesn't feel done almost. Yeah, no, I agree. You know. Yeah, and like the the front half of it is decent i listened to it again today and i was like okay i can get into this i can get behind it but the back half is just like it like kind of peters off into nothing and you have like a couple standard janet baby making songs yeah. and then it's just over and you're but like, even what? i for me even the stuff early on like the top half of the album mm-hmm. it's this whole album and it's and it's like clearly because it wasn't produced by Jam and Lewis, but yeah. it sounds so... Well, 20 Year Old was. It was, but it had Jermaine Dupri's oversights, and that... And he produced, like, six okay, of really so he in, must have, yeah. like, Quote, unquote. mastered it or something, because for me, that whole top half sounds... Very it's much the, the same. same style that she's done before, mm-hmm. but it just sounds so soulless. Yeah. Like yes. they've sucked all That's the, a good word they've for it, sucked yeah. all of the air out of the mix. Yeah. But and no, none of these none of these songs even cuz th- again she's done there are some sparse beats on here and she's done that before. Yeah. And for some reason those other tracks on other albums it sounds like they have room to breathe whereas here it just sounds yeah it sounds not yeah. done. It, it just sounds yeah it's sloppy. I remember thinking, "Oh, she's trying to sound like Sierra." At the time of the album. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's totally. I agree. You know, and this I, is. I don't like, even remember like, what the song was, but you yeah. said "Emancipation of Mimi," and I, I I hear that a bit, but I think I also really hear again, especially on this the first half, you really hear like the Sierra that like very, two thousand six, two thousand six, like very two thousand six like mm-hmm. minimalist, not great yeah. pop music. Yeah. And when you combine that with her. 
I, I call the the um, Demita Joe through discipline years like Janet's Lost whisper years. years <laughs> because everything was yeah. sort of like I'm Janet Jackson. No, well, okay. And you have no. I think you have to admit that started especially during All for You. She didn't use it as excessively it was on more All like for her You. Pillow talk years. She didn't use else. it as excessively on All for You, but there are a couple songs on there that are completely whispered, including the title track. Well, I'll say plus th- at least the the backing vocals on the title. I track. mean, to be fair though, Shannon's <laughs> <laughs> Shannon's whisper. I remember when. She, okay, side note: when she uh, when she had to go, when she had to postpone some dates for her Unbreakable tour. Um, because of vocal rest, somebody wrote online, they're like, um, her entire career has been a vocal rest. <laughs> Which, like, I love, I love Janet, Janet, I love Damn it, Janet Demita Joe Jackson so much, so much, but like, Demita Joe she's kind of whispered like her a... way through her entire career. No, you, With that is fair. varying degrees of it, but I felt like it was more egregious than that. Period. No, it, it definitely was, and as, while we're talking about 20-year-old, that second half is just, it is, yeah, I think earlier you said it was a slog of ballads. And it's just, it's really, it's difficult to get through, honestly. But here's here's the thing, though. I feel like genuinely, and this is a bold statement, but I'm going to go with it anyway because I truly feel like it. Janet is defined by her up-tempo songs. Sure. She has mid-tempo songs, but aside from, like, Again, she's never really had huge success with a ballad. And even then, Again is this idiosyncratic piece of weirdness I fucking hate. But, uh, go ahead. The thing Ooh. about ballads for me is that when I'm enjoying a ballad, it's because of the vocal delivery. And she yeah. just can't do that. Yeah. yeah. When I enjoy her ballads the most, it's they have a solid hook mm-hmm. and she's actually singing them. She's not the most incredible vocalist in the world, but mm-hmm. she's always been solid. Yeah. She, you know, she knows how to produce at least a good sound. She just doesn't have that great of an instrument. Right. And so, but so when she's actually when she puts herself into the ballads, they're enjoyable and when she just whispers them, when she whispers uh come ons for 5 minutes, it gets really boring. You want to skip it two and a half minutes in. Sure. And the other thing I want to point out, not that I want to distract too much from our ranking part, but also like if you think about it, we talked about earlier how there's a lot of parallels between her and Madonna, and I genuinely feel that way. So a pop singer who has very much kind of let's be honest, a not great voice. Uh, who generally does have control of the songs, their music, not really huge on, you know, creating the instruments themselves, but also someone who, they discovered there's that personality that they have, that distinctive mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Madonna got off on being a provocatress, and that's what she did. And really, Janet kind of did later on. It was more like sex for her gradually became an emerging theme of what she did. Mm-hmm. But, like, later on. Like, she never pushed sexuality in the way Madonna did. But... I, I want to... I, I feel like I'm going to combine something that you said with what Jericho said last yeah. time. And that's that Madonna uses sex as a weapon. She says, I'm not... I'm not getting fucked. I am fucking that dick. Yes. And Janet is just like always just is very like playful about it she's yes. not like coy mm. she's very upfront with her we, sexuality we just she's, watched the all for you tour dvd where I she mean, grabbed her crotch a million times and you can but yeah. you can see it on her album covers even she's always just like smiling she's so happy to be there whereas madonna is very like serious Stoic. and yeah mm-hmm. yeah and exactly licking a championship and so and, and yeah so i think that's the, the huge difference is that janet is is like yeah, I'm singing about sex, but why does it need to be so serious all the time? Like, that I think that's why some of her songs 
some of her come on songs, like her sex jams are so unbearable for me is because she is like so goofy about it <laughs> that like it can't it can't be sexy for me because yeah. she's so like and I think that's part of what allowed her to be so pornographic in her lyrics mm -hmm. is because she's not taking it too seriously. She's just like, yeah, whatever. This is song about Rope. how moist I am, and yeah. I'm just going to roll with that. There's a place that's warmer run than over my this mouth. Beat. Like, well, I think, so, when I think about her, like, her sexy songs and the difference between, like, Janet slash Velvet Rope slash All For You era sexy uh -huh. Janet versus Demita Joe Discipline era, era yeah. sexy Janet... It, all it, the sexy Janet. Um, around All For You, you got the sense that she was, like, just trying a little too hard to, like, include, a, like, a, a sexy Janet song where yeah. she was going to have an orgasm and it was going to be, like, a little bit provocative and sexy. And then, you know, that it became kind of a signature thing for her. And so... Mm. Also another signature it, for it, just ending songs abruptly, too. Well, Is that the end? I think she does it at least three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but whereas I think... On Janet and Velvet Rope, the songs that are sexual feel like they they, they feel genuine. They feel um, they feel sensual and yeah. like unforced. Whereas later on, it became like, oh, I have like, to do this oh, because people expect jam. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that being said, when I think about twenty year old and I think about the, you know all the elements that I have on there, mm -hmm. there's a part of me, and again, I don't mind putting Janet Jackson at the lowest spot. But there's a part of me that kind I can see Janet Jackson and Dream Street, even though they were forced upon her and controlled, there are still fun moments on both albums that I can appreciate sometimes just a little bit more than some of some of the stuff that comes off of like twenty boy. So I'm almost with you. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, for for me, twenty year old has like nothing of value <laughs> besides I actually really like the song Enjoy. Ooh. Um, Me too. I love the song. Oh, I love song. that song. Okay. Yeah, I'm more with that. So, no, like, that's totally that's, great. That's like a that's. I don't know if it's a great song, but it's a really fun song, yeah. and it's like gen. It's produced really well. She sounds like she's having a great time. And, and I like Pretty Boy and on Dream Street too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, I love that song. Oh, so goofy. Oh, we'll, we'll get to Dream Street in a minute. Exactly. Yeah, right. I, no, so but that, I mean, I'm done with Twenty Year Old. Literally, the only thing worth listening on here. Is enjoy. <laughs> All right, so long story short, we're 23 minutes of the podcast. Oh, first shit. thing we're gonna do, <laughs> first thing we're gonna do, is put Janet Jackson number 11. We're just okay, gonna get cool. that Great. out of the way. Um, I'm willing to hear arguments, but my pick would maybe be to throw 20YO at number 10. If you had asked me, if you if we had talked about this last week or two weeks ago, I would uh -huh. have said absolutely 20YO should definitely be the second worst. Like what the fuck. Like, you're celebrating control, you're celebrating 20 years, and this is what you gave us, what? But then I listened to it today. Today? I, I listened to both Demita Joe and um, 20YO What many today. people consider her lesser albums. Um, and after giving it a lot of thought, I, I would have to go with Demita Joe. I think okay. Demita Joe. No, okay. No, no. Demita, Demita, here's why. And Sex exhibition. Here's why. So <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. <laughs> I might be wrong about this, but Demita Joe of all of her albums had the most producers involved. Jimmy Jam himself has said that it's hard for him to listen to because there were too many cooks in the kitchen. And 
It sounds like the most muddled of her albums to me. It doesn't have really any great hooks. It has some... It has Strawberry Bounce. That's a big sign against it. Um, I'm okay with Strawberry Bounce. I I, I actually really dig Strawberry Bounce. I I actually kind of like it too. But here's uh, With Demita Joe and 20YO, I feel like that's the first time she ever has really truly given way to hip-hop specifically. Like that kind of production, a lot more beat-driven stuff. I feel like you've got New Agenda on Janet. That was like... Yeah, I mean, that she had was... songs. She had moments all over the place. As opposed to a project, a full right, album. Right, entire album. Like, album. Exactly. And there's still pop elements. Janet period is definitely an R&B album. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, but, it might have a hip-hop song on it, yeah. but... But even, and even Demita Joe... But this is this is my ahead, problem with Demita Joe, though. It doesn't commit to anything. It I, gives you, yeah. it gives you lots of different flavors. You've got a little bit of dancey Janet. You've got a little bit of hip-hop Janet. Fuck you've got a little bit of R&B Janet. R- but it doesn't... Commits to any of those okay. in a consistent way. But it does that, have all night don't stop. And that and and that means like, okay, so. great, it'll be in the bottom half. But mm-hmm. like for me, twenty year old, as I mentioned, has nothing <laughs> worth listening to because I am, I am, I don't like Mariah Carey in any sense, mm-hmm. and that's the vibe she was going for here. Whereas on Demita Joe, there are at least like some really fun dance jams. Just and a that's while, totally that missing on 20 no, I mean, I I, I'm not... I'm not yeah, I don't bad. like that song either. But no, what I'm talking about is like... Honestly, I think the title track, Demita Joe, is really fun. Oh, I hate you that hate song! That? <laughs> I hate <laughs> that song! Do you hate it more or less than Sexhibition? Let, uh, uh, more. More, you hate it more than sex. Don't get me wrong. I think sex exhibition is fucking sex stupid. Sex exhibition is terrible. I mean, like, I want to sex explore you, really, Janet. Like, this is what you're giving us. I want to sex explore you. I mean, yes. But, but sex exhibition is it, like I get a kick out of it. I like the beat, but I don't. But I also yeah. think that, um, like, spending time with you and island life are like pretty decent songs. Like, they're not great, but they are better than the things... I Like, I enjoy them more than anything on 20-Year-Old besides I, Enjoy. I feel like R&B Junkie could have been stuck. Yes. Yeah. R&B I Junkie. totally agree. Yeah. That was one that like Jimmy Jam said there. he really liked. Like, yeah. of the, uh, he list, he said two songs from that album that he liked, and that yeah. was one of them. Um, well, and what was the other one? Oh, Slow Love is yeah, also Slow on here. Right. Yeah, I like that. And I'm, I'm into that. But also, this also, also the country interlude. Demita, you know, that's kind of the name Joe. I mean, that's kind of the country name. But here's my other <laughs> issue with Demita Joe that I was thinking about today. So I feel like it's it, it's also it, it was her attempt at a Sasha Fierce esque like yes. look at my different personalities, yes. but none of those personalities felt this very was distinct. Sasha Fierce? No. I, well, I know, and, and that's like it didn't it didn't succeed at like but she, showing us she different personalities. Explicitly references I don't know, multiple I don't... times what Demita Joe would do. Yeah, like that was very much kind. Of, and the thing is, that was an important thing okay. too because you got to keep in mind, two thousand four. That was post Super Bowl Nipplegate. And for that reason alone, that she was like very much trying to establish herself as like maybe that is just me. Maybe that was that other personality. Like just kind of throwing things out there. But right. She was kind of like which milking. I think was a huge mistake. I agree because like the cover, her like her naked back and like oh she's looking back and really all cute. Like all of it was just kind of intended as being like kind of embracing the controversy, but no one cared. Can we talk about how like greasy and disgusting her hair looks on the cover of this album too? <laughs> I think she looks great. I mean. I, yeah, her body looks face. incredible, but her hair—I don't know. I just—I I, I always, I always think Janet looks great. 
Fair. I wasn't a big fan of the Discipline album cover, but like that wasn't because well, of she looks her. But incredibly, it was just a strange art direction choice. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. Well, and, um, the, and the other thing, Discipline too, is just like for an album called Discipline, it's really not that explicit. Like it's it covers a lot yeah. of different pop topics, but right. it's never the song is. Yeah, but that's it. But I think the other part of it is I think because for me, Discipline is like it's the hardest dance album in her discography like since maybe since maybe rhythm nation and well, discipline is the hardest like the like hardest hitting beats which i think mm-hmm. maybe is why she's at least in for me for when i was listening to it you know when you're looking at like feedback and roller coaster i don't know i think it like took that to another level. Well, well here's, here's another so, thing I want to throw out here real quick. Are we kind of all in agreement that in terms of debating our lower spots, it's kind of between 20YO, Demita Joe, and Dream Street? Yes. It's, yes. 100%. Definitely. Okay, all right. Okay, yeah. so maybe not talk about discipline yet. Okay, but let's talk about Dream Street a little bit, though. Okay. Because that is actually, again, Giorgio Moroder was brought in, uh, the great disco savant that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It's kind of a breezy fun. I have a way more fun with that than I do with the self-titled A. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, right? Um, I don't bring know if I'd go one hundred percent. We'll bring up, bring up the I'd song you want to like talk about. Thirty percent. Talk about communication. Um, no. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> first, I want to. First, I want to mention the the positives. Um, well, talk about the cover. What you thought the cover was when you first. Saw. <laughs> no, after. Okay. First, I want to talk about. I actually think the song Dream Street is. Is like a pretty fun track, yeah. And then I think track eight, "All My Love to You," produced by Michael. It sounds very much like a Michael song. It sounds Janet like I um, um, want to be starting some. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I could hear the "Mama Say, Mama Say, Mama Say" like at right. the end, you know? Yeah. Um, and and she's had a couple deliberate Michael references, like "Rock with You" off Discipline too. Like yeah. there's been a couple times when she like deliberately like "I got you, Mike," you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right there. yeah. And that's and and then I think also like "Don't Stand Another Chance" and. If It Takes All Night are like, those are like pretty fun songs. But mm. there are a handful of ballads on here and all Again, of her early ballads, ballads are yeah, unbearable. Ballads. Hold, hold back the tears. Two to the Power of Love <laughs> is just God. And I feel like I feel like on every single one of her albums, there is a ballad that makes me want to like crawl into myself and die because it's so terrible. It's so overrun. <laughs> on the first album, it's Sandy. Love and My Best Friend. On Dream Street, it's definitely two to the power of love. I and you will just... find no argument for me on that. <sighs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, but quick note: when I first saw this album cover, I couldn't see her fingers in her hair, and so I thought that she was wearing like red flats and that she was holding her feet to her face and I was so confused I was so confused I was like what the fuck is this album cover I also thought that the bicycle was a telephone so like go figure yeah. but yeah. The 80s and then, guys, and then right? I took a, long, a closer look at it at like a larger image and I was like oh god I'm an idiot <clears throat> Okay, anyway. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, yes. Uh, I would say Dream Street is a lot more enjoyable than Janet. And again, like, even even uh, Don't Stand Another Chance, I mean, it's fun. It's vibrant. Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole album, I do feel like, is very much a deliberate homage to the very rising Minneapolis sound at the time, Prince, that era, pre-Purple Rain. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I think... And Georgia Baroder does a good imitation of it. And I think, honestly, the, my... 
all three of my least favorite albums, I am including 20 Year Old in this, mm -hmm. all have what I mentioned about 20 Year Old. They all have that, like, it Almost. sounds like, no, it sounds like the air has been pulled out mm. of the mix. Yeah. Like, these two albums, especially because, like, we've heard music from the early 80s, and it has that very specific, like, dated sound, but it can still sound, like, full. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. well Which produced. A few albums later, she very much was able and, to do. Right. Yeah. She like control sounds incredible. Yeah. But these two albums both just sound like unfinished to me. Yeah. And, I, and also on yes. both on both of these early two albums, I'm like, they should have had her do those vocals again. Yeah. A, a couple different times, I'm like, oh, she is yeah. flat, like legitimately <laughs> yeah. flat. Yeah. She and, was never a great singer. And they just they just used eighties auto tune, aka tons of reverb, yeah. to try and cover that up. <laughs> yeah. So, Taryn, yeah, you had your druthers, your personal druthers. Dream Street Dream would Street. be number ten. Nicholas Shota. It just doesn't have anything. I, like neither of them are great albums, but. Dream Street doesn't have Enjoy on it. And so... <laughs> seriously, the, it yeah. doesn't have it anything that hits... Great it doesn't yeah. have anything that hits that level. So for me, that's... It doesn't have anything to the level call on me. But I will, I will not fight if we go either way, but it's one of those two. So my number 10... Uh, and again, I really, I really struggled with this. But, at, and, but after giving it lots of thought, my number 10 would have to be Demita Joe. Because Dream Street... I, I still listen to, I, I guess I'm going back, because I, like, most of these albums are, like, kind of part of my soul at this point. Like, Fair. I've listened to them since I was a child, so yeah. I know them back and forth. Your very first tour was the All For You tour. Right. Very first concert. went to, yeah. Tenth row, on the floor, $60. What? <laughs> Wrap your mind around that. 2002. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I know. It makes me want to die, thinking about ticket prices now. Anyway. Um, so... As I listened to all of these albums, there was still, there was nothing on Demita Joe that passed the necography test. And what I mean by this is I listened to all of these albums at work, pretty uh -huh. much. Mm -hmm. And almost every one had me, had me doing my little, my little neck bob, my little, like, mm -hmm. but much more isolated because I don't want to, you know, draw attention to, to myself. Right. You know, but I'm like, I'm like mentally doing choreography, just like, yeah. mm -hmm. and doing my, you know, you know, oh, whatever. Uh, um, and Demita Joe just doesn't, doesn't have that. And it sounds, it, to me, it sounds muddled. It sounds forced. It sounds like, it sounds like there were too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, yeah. between Dallas Austin, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Kanye West, Babyface. You Did know, Babyface write truly? Uh, he wrote uh, Thinking About My Ex. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> we didn't even talk about that one. Yeah. That, okay. Oh my god, thinking about my ex. That, I mean, just you bringing that up right now might let me, like, give you this Demita Joe at number 10. Because <laughs> that song is just so utterly... It's so fucking stupid. That is, that's the ballad on this album that makes me want to crawl inside of myself. Yeah. Is like, because there's, cause there's yeah. warmth and moist on this album, and I can deal with those better than I can deal with thinking about my ex. Yeah. Like, it's just so dumb. It's so fucking dumb. Well, here anyway. is my proposal then. Sorry. Okay. If we're okay <laughs> with it. Don't apologize. <laughs> let's, I understand. I don't, I don't like it either. Let's throw Demita Joe at number 10, Dream Street at number 9. Okay. okay. How do we feel about that? I can I can get on board with that. Okay. okay. Only so if oh wait I I'm sorry okay. I don't I'm not 
Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Only what? Wait, finish, finish, finish that sentence. I'm like, I don't, I don't want 20-year-old to be above the, the bottom three. I can get on board with that. I'm just like, for, for me, because Demita Joe really does have, like, an edge for me. And you're right, it's not, it's really muddled. Mm-hmm. But it, at least, it definitely gets me head dancing. Okay. Whereas 20-year-old never does that. I was surprised I, with... Listen, because I hadn't I haven't listened to that album in years before I listened to it for this, mm-hmm. and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the top half of it in a way that I had, with the exception of "So Excited." So yeah. excited is oh that song pisses me no, off. No, I hate that it's song. It's terrible. Terrible. Again, it's, it's Whisper really, Janet. Yeah, I mean, but also using it, you know, "Rocket" like, by Herbie Hancock is an iconic and groundbreaking song, and that is just a boring ass way they reinterpreted it. It's yeah. just this atonal, just kind of yeah. beat, and I hate it. I hate it, and then it goes right to show me, and I hate that even more. And do it to me, maybe. Show me is fun. Do I think do it to me is fun. Get it out me, no. Get it out me, body, no. Oh, this body is probably my least favorite Janet song of all time. It sounds. It makes me feel uncomfortable. It's like there, there's like the weird guitars and the whole thing. I'm just like this is supposed to be sexy, but it's not sexy at all. This is one of the only albums where the back half is arguably more tolerable than the front half. Oh, see, I totally disagree. I think the but back. But the back half has enjoy on it. No, uh, but the, well, mean, okay, but it has it's, enjoy on it. But the rest of it is not save yeah. it. I will say though, I love Call on Me, and I I can't <laughs> deny it. It's the, and the thing that I think is funny about it is it's totally Janet's attempt at. Uh, dilemma, totally. but like three years <laughs> late. Yeah, and I still love it, which maybe just goes to show that I love Nelly. You're a big Nelly fan. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm totally participating in the hot near challenge or whatever the fuck is going. Have you heard about this? Anyway, uh, it's a whole thing. Never mind. I don't know. Nelly has a two point five million dollar uh, tax situation going on, and his oh, right. fans and like are like trying to money for stream him. his songs, and, uh, and you have help. to play them like two hundred seventy five million times in order for him to. Anyway, it's dumb. Um, in any event. So, Sorry, um, Nelly. Uh, I probably just really like Dilemma. a good a good hook and okay. Dilemma. Okay. I just, no. Anyway. I. Uh, okay, how about... It's just like, it's such a clear difference for me. Like, for me, it's it's like these bottom three are in their own terrible echelon. And then Demita Joe is like a weak version of the rest of her decent albums. Hmm. So, like... Could we do okay? Well, because my other, even though I've I've recently rewarmed to twenty uh, yo, I was dead set on having it number eleven for the longest time because right. I was like, "Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Janet! How dare you do this to us?" Yeah. Um, honestly, that's the album where I'm her fine with Janet Dream Lewis Street being out. number eight. I yeah, I was about to say that. I was about to say that. I well, because it shows promise, and the interesting thing about the debut album and dream street is i find myself wanting to edit her career so bad and the same goes with with demina joe 20 yo and discipline especially because with how often she releases albums 20 yo could just be taken out and it wouldn't even seem weird or you could take the best parts of 20 yo put it like take out the shitty parts of demina joe and discipline just put them all into one album and you would be good to go great anyway wait sorry sorry because you just mentioned that I, I just remembered on Demita Joe how mad the interludes here made me. 
<laughs> they're, they're, okay, well, we okay. We need to have a brief segue about Janet interludes because yeah. Jan, listen, interludes started See, with Jan, Rhythm Nation. Okay, they, they had societal messages and yeah, and the flow on, to them on Rhythm Nation. Narrative. I feel like the interludes are almost like a vital part of the album. Yeah. Like they're probably. Yeah. I feel like and and honestly, the, I think the interludes on Janet. Period. Even though that's not my favorite Janet album. I think the interludes on there are done effectively, and they're used at oh, the right time. Track album, it's insane. Yeah, um, but they they are much more effective. And then on later albums, starting Strip with Velvet, Velvet Rope, Rope, yeah, it just it felt like she had interludes because she thought she was supposed to have interludes. Playing yeah. album, like it's literally just, yeah. like you shouldn't start your album with. Are you recording our conversation right now? You did it. Yeah, um, I feel like you are. Her uh, friend's restroom impersonation. Uh, Your favorite interlude of all time, though. Your coochie gonna oh. swell up and fall apart? Because <laughs> that's mine. And I'm not even kidding. Wait, uh, okay. no, which one is that? It's on Velvet Rope. Wait, so for the <laughs> listeners, okay. So on her 1997 classic, The Velvet Rope, uh-huh. um, she has an interlude called Speakerphone. And it goes something like this. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I, this is this is one of my favorite interludes. Yeah, she okay, so she dials a friend of hers. Her friend picks up the phone. And she's like, "Hello," and Janet's like, "Hi," and the friend's like, "You got me on that damn speakerphone again," and she's like, "Yeah, I do." <laughs> and the phone's like, "What you doing? With, what you doing with your hands? That you're so busy, you can't pick up the damn phone." And she's like, "I'm minding my business," <laughs> and then it ends with Janet, like moaning. And her friend on the phone being like, your coochie gonna swell up and fall apart. Boom. Next song. It is the strangest and most, like, hilarious, especially on an album that is otherwise so serious and so, like, like that was Janet's depressed album. Like, to have her, like, I don't know. It is so baffling. But But, but Terrence... Yes, what what, tells about your favorite favorite interlude is... Go on, girl, Miss Jen. Yes! Yes! That's my other... Five seconds. It's five seconds. It is five seconds long, and the first three seconds are silence. But it's... For me, it's just... The first time I heard it, I was like, oh. And now, each time I've heard it after that, the, like, gay in me just gets more and more excited. (laughs) And to the point where, like, now I hear, go on, girl, Miss Janet. And I'm like, yes, Janet, you tell him! You tell that asshole! Yeah. Anyway. And then it segues right into Throb, which is... Right into Throb, which is such a great song. Anyway, we're getting distracted. Yeah. Are we, though? I don't think We've still only locked in one album. Okay, we need to return to our first interlude here, Okay, so... Four words. This is going to be two Podcasts. I will, Doors. I will say this. I, I'm i comfortable because my gut reaction for so long has been, fuck 20YO, I'm comfortable with putting that at number 10. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Demita Joe at number 9. nine. And Dream Street at number 8. I'm How fine do we with feel? that. I feel, that I feel like that's good. We've talked about okay. these albums quite a bit. So, guys, we have it right now. Number 11, Janet Jackson. At number 10, 20YO, 20, number nine, uh, Demita Joe, and number eight, Dream Street. I'm actually, I'm very happy about the I like Dream, yeah, Dream Street is a little album that could, so I don't mind it getting a little, because yeah. I feel like popular consensus over the first two albums don't count, because even on 20-year-old, she's yeah. like, wow, 
God, this all started 20 years ago. It started longer than yeah. that. No, like, you know that. Yeah, you she know just, better. <laughs> also, after that, uh, on her uh, Rock With You tour, she did um, Say You Do, Young Love, and Don't Stand Another Chance. Really? In, in a medley. That's because, awesome. Listen, people give Janet shit for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. but she loves her fans, and she did that medley, a medley of songs that... A she bunch of her write. fans had probably never heard of uh-huh. that she certainly didn't write. Uh-huh. And she did it for them, for the people who've like been around. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to you, Janet. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, in that case, we are still left with a wide, delicious variety of albums. Uh, delicious, and, Oh, you know it's delicious. You know it is. Oh, boy. I know. Oh, so, uh, that being said... Guys, we're now down to number seven on our list. What's remaining? We have Control. We have Rhythm Nation. We got Janet Dot. We have Velvet Rope. We have All For You. We have Discipline. We have Unbreakable. And my instinct is going with me right now, and it's saying the next album should be Discipline. I totally agree. Yeah. Taryn's thinking. It's just pure gut. Okay. Go ahead. So here's the thing. Yes. I was in high school in 2008. Oh, God. That makes me want to die. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. But I was in high school in 2008, and I remember when Feedback came out. Uh And I wasn't even a Janet fan, and I loved Feedback. Feedback's a fucking jam. I was so mad that no one else liked Feedback. And so that's... and, And listening to this album this week... I think that, fee- obviously, I love Feedback. Mm-hmm. I think Love I like is, love. like, a like pretty fun yeah. song. Yeah. It's yeah. very 2008, but uh-huh. it's fun. Roller Coaster is a fucking jam. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally agree. The roller Coaster. And that beat, yeah. like, that's that was one of the, f- the first songs listening to this week where I was like, oh, I've been missing out mm. on this song. I wish I'd been listening to this for the past, sure. like, And hot take, hot take, years. hot take. I would say the Missy Elliott feature here is better than the one on Unbreakable. I would agree. Yes, for the one. And mm. I, I think... Kitty so, cat, meow, 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 meow. Come on. The, 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 the feature, yeah. the song might not be better, but the feature is definitely I, yes, better. Yes, okay. I agree with you. So, yeah. the one is interesting for me because I know that Beyonce didn't come up for this, come up with this type of beat or whoever produced it, but the one reminds me of Crazy in Love without the horn hook. Like just the verses oh. of Crazy in Love, that very it's sparse, it's only drums and then it's bump you know. Um interesting. Fuck, why can't I remember how the one goes? Um it's all right. Uh, we'll play it for you. Um I also yes. okay. okay, but and then we yeah, start yeah. going into like uh, um yeah. I think so much better yeah. is a really fun song yeah. because would, it's yes. totally Janet doing technologic. <laughs> It is Janet doing Technologic. Okay. I mean, I mean okay. Tell me I'm wrong. And, but it's really fun. And yeah, then... Go on to the photographer's on, Facebook. Tell Taryn that he's wrong. Curtains yeah. is, like, a pretty fun sex it's jam. Fun. I think yeah. it actually, like, it's a decent... It has a nice hook. And that's... There's just... And, oh, it can't be good. Yes. Which, I, like... Yeah. I, again, I don't always love her ballads, but, like, I the harmonies on that one do it for me. And so, uh, for me, the only, like, negatives on Discipline, the like, the biggest negative is Never Let You Go and Greatest X, right in the middle there. Okay. Greatest X, terrible song. It's about as bad as... What was the one on... Oh, the one Babyface wrote. Uh, oh, I'm right, thinking about my yeah. It's yeah. like yeah. it's like it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same idea. It's the same yeah. idea, and it's also a terrible, stupid song. That's not something yeah. you need to write a song about for me. And here's my argument. I will I will give you all of that. Uh-huh. I give you all of that absolutely. 
Look what it's up against. Right, but for me... Yes, I want to hear this. I want to hear um, this. Janet period has nothing oh. that I love. It Ugh. has a lot of great stuff on it, but I think I think I just don't like 1993. <gasps> and and it just it doesn't it doesn't connect with me. I mean, oh. especially the first time I listened to Janet, it was like it was like below Dream Street for me. Now show And then it. I now kept listening it. to it. Let me, it. Hold on. I'm almost done. And I kept listening to it. And it has a couple songs on there, especially in the middle. Throb, What'll I Do, Funky Big Band. Funky Big Band. These are all songs that, like, I mean, I love, like, house. And I love, mm-hmm. you know, electro swing nowadays. And that's basically what Funky Big Band is. And so, and there's a couple other songs on there that are really great, but none of it connects with me in the same way that at this point, now that I've listened to a ton of Janet, I expect Janet albums to connect with me. It also has to go on Miss Janet. It it does, and it has, and it, honestly, it has, I think, interludes used in the strongest sense, besides Rhythm Nation, but it just, I, I, I don't, this album doesn't hit me the same way that any of the rest of the ones Well, here's the thing, to. building off that, I feel like this, when I listen to If and listen to other things, this is such a percussion-based album. I feel like the drum beats do so much of the heavy lifting on here. Like, it's kind of that drum machine funk kind of sound of this and we're in like and sometimes like to the point where I almost don't hear like the entire like the guitar parts of If are kind of like buried under the drums yeah almost and the entire album has this kind of you know percussion monochromaticism to it that's just kind of like the drums are almost the same in every single song I don't get that sense with almost everything else but it's very much the production of the era and keep in mind this is her best selling album by far by a so lot. I know what we're saying here. and see I would make that argument okay is uh, I, I would say that the same is the case for Rhythm Nation. In terms of the monochromaticism okay. in, in the percussion. I hear that, but I feel like, and I, this come up on podcast before, I feel like that a lot of albums and songs can sound like one of two things. They can sound like products of the era, or they can define the era. And even when I hear the, you know, kind of the it takes two to make a thing go right, oh, ah, you know, that kind of like little like scratch mm-hmm. sound that they yeah. have on there, which you hear a lot on the title track of Rhythm Nation when you yeah. hear all these other things there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rhythm Nation, it not, didn't birth that sound, but it integrated those sounds, these it, elements. It takes a step above it's, that sound. I know, like, here's the thing, like, mm-hmm. it is like late 80s, early 90s, and it is definitive of that sound. Because when you hear those sounds, when you hear it in Rhythm Nation, it's not cheesy at all. It's just great it's just funky you hear escapade you hear even like the rock of black cat which is kind of a little bit of a you know in the same vein arena as dirty diana but at the same time it's like you know its own thing like you know she had never power balladed quite like that before and she just had lame invitations of that since then just a quick note i know we got rid of them already but Mm -hmm. i think that's another thing that was really missing from demita joe and 20 year old was there was no in every album since Rhythm Nation, she's had at least one, like, harder rocking song. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even if it's still kind of that, like, that's kind of, like, mm-hmm. 90s funk R&B sound, there's still that, like, scratchy, hard yeah. rhythm guitar yeah. on it. Or, like, she has some real blown-out mm-hmm. vocals. Yeah. Like, on You, or... Um, what About, yeah. or Trust to Try. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then she dropped that later in her career, and I think it was it was really missing as far as making, like... A diverse sound, an album that really sounded like mm-hmm. all sides of her. Yeah, sure. Okay, now that being said, uh, the, I mean, I said this one as a gut instinct. 
Hearing Taron arguments and me thinking about the album really kind of has me on that side, but I really want to hear your thoughts on Janet. Okay. <laughs> Bring up the Buckle big your seat belts. All right, this is Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay. This is Mr. Shota goes to Gaytown. I can't talk about the Janet album without talking about the year 1993. Let, let's hear it. Like, I know that you, as you explained, you hate the year 1993, which is fine. I was born. That I'm going to... Jump off the balcony that doesn't exist. Um, okay. The Janet album, to me, is peak Janet, and here's why. She came out of the gate with That's the Way Love Goes as yes. her first single. Mm-hmm. It's her longest-running number one hit to date. Um, she so sounds, to me, confident. She sounds like she has nothing to prove. She's just making the songs that she wants to make. Also... 1993 was a very interesting year for people of color in music. So I did a little, I did a little research. I was very curious about how no, this please, like yeah, fit no, into the context yeah, of 1993. Sure. So of the top 50 singles on Billboard's Hot 100 end of year chart, I believe 38 of them were by people of color, which That's I think awesome. is interesting. Um, That's also, this is around the time when hip-hop was really coming to the fore as a commercial force. Right. right. Um, so... And then for the the Billboard, uh, just looking at the number one albums of 1993, I think it was rough, like roughly half of the year was people of color, That's awesome. like at number one, yeah. which I think is, you know, this was post um, Rodney King, pre OJ. I, and I, I I don't know what that says yeah. about no, 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 that's the, a great the landscape mark, of, though, culturally, of yeah. the, the world, but <laughs> yeah. I think that that's interesting to note. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that, it was particularly a really great time for women of color in music so the beginning of 1993 you had whitney blowing up the charts with the bodyguard soundtrack and i will always love you which were both number one simultaneously you had janet which was released in the middle of the year you had uh, in may in june you had what's love got to do with it Mm. which introduced the world to eat the cake anime which Mm. is (laughs) problematic for many many reasons but but you know it like it kind of reintroduced people i think in a big way to tina turner because you know, she had an album that flopped in the late 80s, and she, like, it reintroduced the world to Ike and Tina Turner, and that narrative, it finally gave Angela Bassett, national treasure Angela Bassett, <laughs> a fucking Oscar nomination, uh-huh. which she should have won for, but whatever, it's fine. Um, so that was June, <laughs> right? Then July, you had um, Poetic Justice, which debuted at number one at the box office, starring Janet Jackson, yes. her, her major film debut. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Not the film that... Sister Act 2 was December. I know. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, and a movie, and Poetic Justice, for those who haven't seen it, um, it's it's not a great movie. It didn't make a ton of money. But it was a movie that was written by John Singleton, who, of Boys in the Hood fame. Yes. Um, yeah, who, who saw that there were all these movies that were out around that time that were all about black men in gangs and like the the struggle of the inner city and and things like that and he was interested in writing a movie about the women who had to who had to deal with the the loss of a lot of the the men that were portrayed Mm -hmm. in those movies and um i i just think that that's really fascinating that this movie about that was a drama and like no it's kind of a boring movie to be told um but is a drama about an inner city black woman who writes poetry, like, debuted at number one at the box office. I just don't think that that would happen today, right? So there's that. July also brought the release of Tony Braxton's debut album, and I know Tony Braxton is, like, kind of... 
I love I love Tony Braxton. She's not and I always will. But she, you know, she's long fallen off the the pop culture zeitgeist. <laughs> but um, her people tend to forget that she had four or five like huge years in the nineties, um, right? And then mind. August brought the re- yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't let yeah. the professionals okay. do okay. the singing, Evan. Come on. Um, no. Uh, and then August saw the release of um, Mariah Carey's Music Box album, which was huge. Yes. But. So, so, smack dab in the middle of all of of this societal cultural um, change, this this y- huge year for women of color in music was Janet in the middle in May of 1993, and in the middle of the Janet album was New Agenda, which is her proclaiming herself as a proud black woman who is discussing her um, the the erasure of her history, and this was 20 years 20 three years before Beyonce was telling everyone to get in formation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that... It's the, not a very good the, song, the, I totally disagree. Okay. Oh my God. I think New Agenda's great. I, the, <laughs> but, and okay, but, and the, the Janet album, for me personally, from beginning to end, is her most consistent. It's her most confident. It's her most relaxed. It has. It gives you everything that we love about Janet. You've got soulful Janet. You've got ballad Janet. You've got dancey Janet. You've got the, the best dance jams of her career. Right smack dab in the middle of a year that where women of color were emerging or, or, or held prominence in the pop cultural landscape in a way that I don't think, uh, yes. that, that I think it's rare to so, find. Yeah. Great. I think that's totally fascinating, and I think it explains why it's her highest selling album. By far. But to me, that doesn't We're save it. It, 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 it. For me, it totally falls apart in the second half. It like the first half is like, I'm good. I'm kind of with it. I um I kind of mentioned earlier while we were watching we we watched a bit of the All for You tour before we started recording. And, why not? And um when If was playing, I mentioned how I wished this really cool sample that was used in a song that deserved it more. Because, and like, and, here's I, and I feel like, yeah. like I, there are a lot of ballads in her discography that I actually really enjoy, but none of them are on this record. Like, they just don't connect with me. I think, th- again, is the is the ballad here that makes me want to crawl inside of myself because it's just so utterly that saccharine. Piano. That fucking piano. And it's, it's like almost Pachelbel's canon, but they changed the last <laughs> chord. <laughs> And, and there's just, you know, it goes through, it starts with uh, Because of Love, again, Another Lover, Where Are You Now, Hold On Baby, The Body That Loves You, body that and I'm just, I'm you. like, Jesus. I'm like listening to this album trying not to fall asleep, like, and, and no other album on her discography does that. There's so much great stuff on here, on the top half, and but it just, I, like, I can't, it, it boggles my mind how successful it was. And here's the other thing, too, is that on top of all of this, let's be real here, we're talking about the Janet Alvin 2016. And when we're talking about Janet Alvin 2016, we're talking about her classics, we're talking about her lasting legacies, and when we're talking about those things, we're not talking about if to the same degree that we're talking about how Rhythm Nation has. We're not talking about it in the same level as Control is. It's still her highest-selling album, and at the same time, even in that context of what it was... even I feel like even the singles from Velvet Rope and All For You are more lasting and enduring in in the cultural arena than anything off of Janet period is. It's like it helped define an era, but it hasn't been allowed to transcend that era. That's my counter argument. 
Nick showed it. His feeling was so many feelings right now. We got into like we a just really totally ganged up I on know you. exactly. Really and I, I feel no. really bad about. No, no. no. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I mean, outside of both of you being totally wrong. I don't. I know. No, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. No, look. <laughs> everything, as I mentioned on the Beyonce podcast, my life philosophy is not everything is for everyone, and that is okay. I should also mention that part of, um, for me, the the reason why I I hold the Janet album as like like Janet's uh, spoiler alert Janet's my number one. It's just my number one, and I have no apologies to offer for that because. <laughs> Because um, it's like, I just think it gives you everything about Janet that you love. Even if it didn't necessarily transcend this, that, and the other, it is still her most consistent work. Discipline, on the other hand, was not written by Janet. No, it not was a not. single thing was written by because Janet. Because after Actually, 20 that's not true. 20 the, the interludes are okay. credited well, to her. Well, whatever. <laughs> but the songs are. They well, well, also credited to Kyoko that, like, the like, robot, could, the that robot, thing that 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 robot solo yeah. EP. But um, I will <laughs> yeah. say though that, that selection. twenty yeah. Y O, because uh, everyone sounded tired on that. So she clearly was like, "Okay, I've been with you long enough, Jimmy Jam and Lewis. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and try some, with some other producers now, which is fine." And the thing is that I honestly feel like a lot of them were able to get a really nice Jimmy Jam Terry Lewis imitation on a lot of that too. <laughs> fair, yeah. fair. But that being said. I have to come back to Taryn's points. I understand that personal connotation. Here's what I recommend. Like, listen, I'm going to lock in my vote right now. I'm going to go ahead and say Janet Dot is going to be at number six. Ooh, no. I, I, will, I disagree. Yeah. And if I... Look, I, I get that you guys both disagree with me, and that's fine. If you yeah. want to put it at number seven, that's fine. But Janet, you know how I feel. I'm, like, pointing up to the ceiling. I know. Like, yeah, he's just looking just like, at Janet uh, in the sky. Looking oh, down. Oh, Uh... You will never get me to agree on that. I just won't. Oh, I know. That's why we're blocking yeah. in votes to maybe override you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, and that's okay. I, I respect I, your opinions. I was going to be locked out later. I totally I, understand I respect that. your opinions, but Sarah, I, I can't get on board with can that. We, can we lock in that? I feel bad. I know. Don't it's feel badly. Don't feel no, bad. No, 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 it's fine. No. <laughs> He's just so wrong. I know. It's, I know. I, like, legitimately, I, like... I, I, I'm sure that if I had been listening to this album my entire life, it would probably be much higher, but it's just, like, coming at it as someone who, like, knew most of these hits, mm. and then, like, delving deeper into her discography, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up. He, it doesn't, he, he it doesn't. He decided to go sleep, and he couldn't get no sleep. Anywho, so, <laughs> Anywho, so here's, okay. what, here's what I recommend, though. Here's what I recommend. Number seven, number seven, Janet. Yeah. And number six, Discipline. Can we? Oh God, I hate that if so gonna, much. Okay, if we're gonna, I do hate that, it so much. Gonna, she no, didn't write a single fucking song on Discipline. I think, I, I think we can. We can. If if. Janet's not going any higher for me than these two spots. No, not these two spots. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if. Like we're we're really solidly both voting for number seven, and he would have put it at number one. I think we can put discipline at seven and put Janet at six. I will concede. I will. I will. <laughs> oh, even below all for you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. God. Here's the other thing, though, guys. But we've been uh, I will. I'll, I'll. I'll say this. As look, I can. I can sleep at night as long as. 
Janet is above discipline because she did not write a fucking thing on that album. Right, that's why yeah, I'm, I, that's why that's I'm like, locking I, it in I right understand. Now. And just to recap, number 11, Janet Jackson, number 10, 20YO, number 9, Demita Joe, number 8, Dream Street, number 7, Discipline, number 6, Janet, and number 5... Oh. You're going to have to listen to part two. We've been talking about oh, Janet shit. for over an hour. We're oh into God. it. We have so much more to go. So, guys, real quick, let me just go ahead and say thank you, Nick, so much for swinging yeah, by. Thank you, Taryn, as well. We oh. Guys, listen, it's going to get even better. <laughs> it's intense. Stick around for a little bit. Leave your messages on the Facebook chartographers. Keep on listening. You know that we'll be. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Your favorite interlude of all time, though. Your coochie goes oh. swell up and fall apart. Because <laughs> that's mine. And I'm not even kidding. Uh, okay. No.